We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. biggest takeaways from week three that's what we're talking about today on stealing bananas i'm ben gretch you can find me on twitter at for gretch for my substack ben gretch.substack.com and with me as always is sean siegel find all of his work at rotavis find the great zero rb report coming out tuesday this will be coming out monday we are talking sunday sean how you doing awesome the uh, every Sunday just feels like a gift, right? I mean, it, it's wonderful to be able to spend the day watching football, enjoying football with your friends, family. Uh, I just feel very blessed to be able to to do this and be a part of it. Things are going great with the site. Rotoviz has been really exciting. Matt Spencer has added some new features to the Monday reviews. So you're gonna be able to do some really cool stuff when you log on there tomorrow slash today. I know listeners are getting this Monday morning. Uh, Dave Cabin has done some incredible stuff with the new data we have for cornerback wide receiver matchups. Uh, make sure you check his articles. It's on Friday or Saturday and just has an amazing wealth of information to help you prepare for your DFS, your start sets, all those things with wide receivers and how they match up with opposing defenses and corners and that kind of thing. But then we had some crazy games here on Sunday and just, I mean, so much fun. So I think the first thing for me is when you have an NFL record 66-yard field goal from Justin Tucker, it kind of only makes sense if you're a long-term Lions fan that it would come against you in a situation where you had the game won there. The Lions did a lot of great things. Uh, number one, congratulations to Justin Tucker. He's probably better at his position compared to the field than any other NFL player. We don't focus a lot on kickers, but when you hit a 66-yarder to win the game, uh, you deserve that dude never misses like you knew he was gonna make that well and just I mean I know all the kickers do this but like his velocity as he approached the kick and like how his body was moving when he planted and then as soon as this off his foot you're like I mean that's got a chance right because earlier in the day we saw the Cardinals try a 68 yard field goal and Matt Prater who has who had the record before right I mean Matt Prater get, got into that 68 yard and it was dead center too. Unfortunately for the Cardinals, that one did not make it all the way. Gets returned all the way for the touchdown. One of the things we saw in these two games is that even when you're playing sort of top NFL teams against bottom NFL teams, if the game kind of goes 
the right way, these can be very competitive Sunday afternoons. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna I was gonna bring up that other kick when you first started talking about the Tucker kick, because those were honestly probably the two most exciting plays of the game or of the entire day was uh these these two field goals. And it's it is pretty hilarious that you had a game-winning record-breaking kick. Longest kick in NFL history, and it wasn't even the longest attempted field goal of the day. There was also a longer attempted field goal by two full yards. I mean, we were very nearly at a full 69-yard field goal for for Denny Carter's boy Matt Prater, and I, we know we know Denny Carter loves the the old 69 number anytime that that one pops up in any kind of thing. So I thought that was super close to being a, quite a hilarious thing. If Matt Prater could have set the record with a 69-yard field goal, instead a few you know a half hour later, Justin Tucker sets it with a 66-yarder. We've talked too much about kickers already at this point, but yeah, it, it was. Um, it was a reminder those two games, like you said, a reminder that bad teams can win, <laughs> good, good teams can lose. Uh, pretty much anything can happen on a on an NFL Sunday. I thought Jacksonville, you know, might actually go on and win that game, and certainly Detroit could have won. I mean, before Tucker's kick, it needs to be said there was a clear delay of game on third down where Lamar Jackson just threw the ball uh, threw the ball away, and that was flagrant. I mean, that that cost the Lions the game. I mean, it they, they had to cost them the game. Yeah, pretty upset he, about that. They wouldn't have had time to to get the yardage back. He's not making a seventy one yarder. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him, but I don't think he's making the seventy one yarder. They didn't have any timeouts. They they almost certainly weren't going to be able to get back into to good enough field goal range. So that was pretty wild. But yeah, no. In the in the Arizona game, it was it was nice to see our boy James Conner score twice. Chase Edmonds got a carry inside the five early, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" So James Conner has absolutely no value. But as the game worked out, he winds up scoring two touchdowns, which was great for me because I convinced you that we should play Conner over Moss in our dynasty league this morning, and sent you an email about ten minutes into the games before Moss had even scored about how I just wrote a quick note that was like, you're probably not going to see this till later, but I don't want to forget that Moss looks really good and Connor looks like Connor. And <laughs> I, I definitely got this one wrong. Uh, and Moss went on to score not long after that, that email. He looked great today. Really excited about Zach Moss. He's a, like one of my biggest storylines and in, in things that I was excited about in week three, but it was cool to see Connor get the two TDs as well. Yeah, he, he looked good. He did what we were hoping. This was a little bit more of a normal Cardinals game here, and normal in some ways that maybe we don't like. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, we know that he wasn't anywhere close to 100%, but he was kind of taken out of the game. Uh, the two main targets for the Cardinals were Christian Kirk, who went over 100. Uh, his second very big game of the season looks like he may be kind of establishing himself as an NFL wide receiver. That was good to see for uh, Kyler Murray fans, for Arizona Cardinal fans, certainly for uh, people who have Christian Kirk in Dynasty. Uh, he looked good again today able to get behind the defense and murray finally uh, able to find him on these types of plays which they haven't been able to hook up on before unfortunately there was some more aj green maybe than we want a week after rondo moore led the team in targets had some big plays just was not on the field very much now he did have a scheme touch for him again at the goal line so that kind of thing is encouraging got tackled you know six inches short of the of the goal line and that sets up for connor so we, we have some of these things. Connor looked more explosive. He made a, a fantastic one-handed catch. So he's going to be involved. We'd like to see that. He was one of our zero RB picks. You mentioned Zach Moss. Ah, man, we had a shot at him in our chasing stolen bananas team when he was dropped after he was not as involved the first 
couple of weeks we bid over 600 that wasn't enough we should we should have been all the way on him but he looks good so we had some of these plays one of the other really the biggest play in that cardinals jacksonville game was a flea flicker attempt that the jacksonville uh, team tried to pull off when they really had the momentum right trevor lawrence is playing pretty well they had just gone down the field james robinson really his first flash sequence of the season he just slashed right through the cardinals for a bunch of long runs score a touchdown they're in great shape they do this flea flicker he doesn't have time he throws it instead of just taking the sack that was uh, it was great for us we had the cardinals in on every single team i think uh they return that for a touchdown that really changes the game there but i do think that the jacksonville jaguars and trevor lawrence looked better today they did look better they still didn't look great. I mean, better. Lawrence has shown a lot of talent throwing the ball already. We talked, to, I think, last week about it. He looked good on uh, on his TD to DJ Chark back in week two, but he only completed 14 passes. I think it was last week on 30 something uh, attempts. Today, his, his completion percentage was you know reasonable, over 50 percent, solid. He and, and he did look he looked good, but I don't know. I I, I still I wasn't that impressed i mean he threw a, a, another good td to uh, uh actually i think the one back in week two maybe was the marvin jones i don't know but the the one today to dj shark was nice but yeah i mean i i guess my my whole thing is i just want to see lavisca chanel do something i mean that's all it is sean yeah he had he had a couple of nice plays in this one and it seems like they need to use him more it was another kind of weird game and, and i don't think he was 100 percent either and that probably affects the snaps and the ways that the guys were used. He had a couple of nice catches early. There were a lot of plays that were just Marvin Jones and DJ Shark on the field. So uh, again, for people who drafted Chanel early, that's not <laughs> the lineup that you really want to see on those plays. I think this team is coming along. I think these guys like Robinson, like Chanel are going to score more points. And it was an encouraging game for Chark who got open a lot, had maybe some other opportunities, makes a, a beautiful play on that touchdown. The ball's well thrown. Then this, Ravens-Lions game, beyond just the long field goal, there were a lot of other interesting storylines, right? On the Ravens side of the field, Lamar Jackson, a lot of beautiful deep passes, many of which weren't caught. Marquise Brown had been having a breakout through two weeks. He had a stretch in this one where he dropped three potential touchdowns in a pretty short time period, all of them deep passes. Now, the first one uh, he appears to be open. That ball may have been tipped right before he had a chance at it. We all know that that is a difficult catch to make. Uh, that one may be an excuse. But then he had like a 70-yard touchdown and a 40-yard touchdown, both of which just pure drops. It just appeared nervous on those. And then the result of that, as the game goes along, Mark Andrews, a huge game, over 100 yards. But with all of those drops, they set the Lions up to win. Uh, this is kind of a crazy one to think that in a game where TJ Hawkinson taken out of it, Quintus Cephas, who looked so good last week, really not involved, that Khalif Raymond would be kind of the wide receiver that they're using. And then uh, for someone that we have on a ton of our teams, it was really cool, I thought, to see DeAndre Swift look so good again today. He had a line of 14, 47, and 1 on the ground. It was kind of unfortunate. He was stopped on a reception kind of at the one-inch line later. Then they have a quick play, doesn't get in. They do. A, they put in Williams. He gets stopped, and then we've had some bizarre overturns, non-overturns. We talked a lot about that Justin Jefferson one in week one because we wanted it. This one actually appears that Will Williams was down, and yet they do overturn that one, give him the touchdown. He was clearly down. <laughs> they brought on Steratore or, or whoever their ref was, and he's. I'm pretty sure it was Steratore in that uh, on that game, and he was like, 
you can see the shin down. They paused it. They tried to circle it. They circled the wrong spot, but you can see the shin down. And he's like at the one yard line, you know, he's well away from the goal line and they overturned it. It wasn't just that they were like, we can't, you know, it's inconclusive. They overturned the call on the field <laughs> and then the, the broadcast team paused it and showed you where he was down a full yard shy. Cause then his shin came back up for anyone who didn't see it. And then he crossed. And so they just missed the shin down or something on the review. Cause it was sort of in the, in the pile of bodies and, and it, after a shin comes back up, maybe, it, you know, it, it looked to them like, Oh, look, he did cross the line, <laughs> but it was not a good look to have the broadcast teams, you know, trying to highlight this and pausing it and circling it. Like, look, here's where he's down a full yard before the goal line. They've been bad. The rest have been really legitimately awful. I mean, whatever. We're just, you know, dorks playing fancy football, but, this stuff actually, you know, matters to a lot of people who play fantasy football that have a lot of money on the line, and they can't get they can't get anything right uh, for a, a billion dollar corporation. You'd think they'd be able to get touchdowns right, you know? Every yeah, score plays reviewed. We, we're going to get them right, but then they every week this year they've had just complete blatant misses. It's pretty it's pretty pathetic, honestly. Yeah, and well, again, it, it comes back to the delay of game that really should have ended the game there. Uh, missed as well, so that's not good, but. Getting back to the positives, DeAndre Swift, seven catches, 60 yards. Um, he looks so good in the open field. At the same time, but this, that's only half of the catches of one Najee Harris, whom when we were doing our, I think our hot takes or our bull predictions draft, uh, we said Harris is going to finish fourth at the running back position in receptions. He made a lot of progress toward that today. Uh, he's going to finish. He's going to break the all-time running back receiving record is, is my new updated hot take. Roethlisberger can't throw the ball. There was that play late. They needed a big play. And James Washington just beats his man completely. And you can tell Roethlisberger's like, oh, I have a guy open deep. I got to throw this now because I can't get it out there. And he threw it so early and was with just like the most ridiculous sort of arc and everything. It ends up overthrowing James Washington, which was actually like, halfway decent to, to see, but it just it just showed how like little confidence he has in his arm that he couldn't like step in to throw and make a good throw. It would have been like a 70, 80 yard touchdown, but he overthrows him by like three yards. He basically was just throwing it and like I hope that he runs under it and this, you know, the timing works out correctly as opposed to like actually throwing a good pass. But yeah, Roethlisberger's got nothing right now. And uh because of that, Najee Harris had I think our buddy Jack Miller tweeted the second most running back targets in the game since 1950, at least. The only other one more was when Alvin Kamara in 2018 had a 20-target game. He caught 14 passes. I mean, Najee Harris has not looked that impressive as a runner. If you faded him, you, you feel like you maybe got that part of it somewhat correct. It's not going to matter. If, if he's going to catch this many balls, obviously he's not going to catch 14 balls a game but he was already catching plenty of balls. And then to, to have a spike 14 catch game this week. Yeah. He had five catches last week with a TD uh, receiving has not even hit four yards per carry in a game yet for the first three games, averaging 3.2 yards per carry really doesn't matter. Has uh Oh, that, that's not, that's actually too high. That's for the first two games. They haven't added in the, uh, the other average. And today it was at 2.9. So it's probably 3.1, 3.0. Anyway, uh, yeah, he's got 20 catches in three games. I mean, he's going he's gonna to catch 100 balls. 
Well, he could have had two more today, two pretty clear drops. I thought he looked good with the ball in his hands as a receiver. 19 targets. Uh, that was four more than Chase Claypool, who had 15 targets today. Sadly, uh, Juju goes out early. He would have potentially gotten some more targets there in garbage time as well. The real story in the Bengals Steelers game was on the other side of the ball. Ben, after we come back from the break, we'll talk about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Colm Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. NFL football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find NFL tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. One of my bucket list items is certainly to head on over and see my Green Bay Packers over in Green Bay at Lambeau Field. I'm super excited to see how this season plays out for the Packers. Whether it's the Packers or any other team that you want to head and get in on the action this season and attend a game. Whether it's a home game for your favourite team or it's on the road, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash RotoViz today and use the promo code RotoViz to save 10% on your first order. So if you're thinking of going to a game this season, don't wait. Head on over, get those tickets, use the code RotoViz. That is TickPick.com slash RotoViz. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, Ben, we have a lot of Joe Burrow. He looked good today. I had sent you a note this week. The Bengals were talking to the reporters and discussing the fact that they just needed to go over the defense's head, right? Chase is saying, I'm open deep. Uh, Higgins, open deep. Obviously, they're using Tyler Boyd underneath, but they were saying the, the defense is crouching on their short routes. A little bit tricky to see how much of that was going to come into play today. Obviously, T. Higgins missing. Uh, Tyler Boyd looked fantastic again, bounces off of guys like a pinball machine, gets in on that early touchdown. But the story, and I do want to note, I, I give a lot of uh, hard times to Joe Mixon for his sort of uh, average running. He looked good today, and that set them up with some better situations, not quite as many third downs, not quite as many third and tricky downs. But Jamar Chase, two more touchdowns. Uh, we've had him ranked incredibly high in Dynasty. He's obviously not going to score four touchdowns for every three games he plays in the NFL. But when we look at you know what Justin Jefferson has done and what he is doing now, we know that the projection systems, including Matt Spencer's fantastic wide receiver model, have him as the best wide receiver prospect since Amari Cooper. Not a lot really to complain about or to push him down from that after three games. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, no, Burrow looked great, efficient again, only through 18 passes. That's a big number uh, for me because I've been saying that his pass volume has to rise. He had only thrown 57 through two games, averaging just under 30 per game, which was low. So to, you know, in a win today to come out of it with only 18 pass attempts uh, was pretty shocking. He did scramble quite a few times, which was good to see. He had some uh, some low-key rushing ability last year and then he obviously had the leg injury there was some concern that he wouldn't scramble as much this year my thought in the offseason was sort of you know you take what the defense gives you as long as he can move like i mean brady scrambles any any quarterback that has at least a little bit of athleticism when there's a a pass rush and teams dropping in the zone and there's a a lane to run that they'll they'll scramble he looked pretty fearless doing it didn't really even slide he took a couple hits doing it which you'd you know like to not see but that was part of why he only had 18 attempts. He ended up with five rush attempts. I don't know if any of those were kneel downs, but he had a, I think he had one called back as well. It was a decent sized game because he only has five carries here for seven yards in the box score. I, I felt like he actually would have had more rushing yardage than that. But they end up with 24 uh, rushes, just a low, low play volume game overall. The Steelers ran way, way more plays. Ben Roethlisberger threw 58 passes in this game, which is, I think, more pass attempts than the Bengals ran offensive plays if I'm adding this all up in my head correctly so that is uh you know one thing that was a little bit lopsided here for the Bengals they got out ahead and they got kind of conservative and things didn't really work out well from uh, like a play volume perspective and continuing to keep things going but you know that in some respects that just it reinforces the point about Roethlisberger being dust because they got so many plays on offense <laughs> and couldn't get any points and get back in the game and, and force the Bengals to do anything. I'm hopeful, obviously, that in some other games, the Bengals will have to eventually throw 30 times, 35 times, maybe 40 times down the way, down the road. And uh, when Higgins is back and the way Chase is looking like this, particularly how efficient they've been, this, this should be a really fun passing game. Yeah, and if you have any leagues, especially dynasty leagues, but any leagues where 
Joe Burrow is available and there is still a window in your league to buy low, you, you want to make sure you do it because that window is going to close. This Bengals passing offense is going to be absolutely electric. Then maybe the, the most disappointing quarterback performance today did come from Justin Fields. You know, the, the Bears have said all along that Andy Dalton is their starter, that Fields isn't quite ready. We saw that today. And I think the most frustrating thing is he wasn't able to get out and really run. One of the things that we see so much with someone like a Russell Wilson, who maybe isn't the same kind of rusher as Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, is that he's able to extend plays and get the ball deep. He's able to extend plays and instead of taking all of these sacks, I mean, he does get sacked a decent amount, but he scrambles. He adds some value there. Fields just looked overwhelmed, right? And I, I think that one of the things that is unfortunate for him is that the Bears just don't have a lot of weapons at this point. I, I've kind of gone back and forth with a, a variety of people about drafting Allen Robinson, where he was going. The fact that he doesn't separate is a, a real concern for me. You've got to throw to him covered. I think that's a more difficult thing for a rookie QB in his first start, Darnell Mooney had looked very good the first couple of weeks, especially last week in week two, getting open a lot. We didn't see as much of that today. Cole Komet, some nice plays, but again, you know, not necessarily getting open. It, you know, we played in a couple of leagues. We still obviously feel very strongly about his long-term outlook. Probably won't play him, you know, next week necessarily, but some good and bad here. We know that Fields is going to be a star, at least a, a fantasy playmaker but it was hard to find really some positive takeaways in this one. Well, and I'm going to go sort of a completely different direction with this because I don't think a lot of it was on fields. I don't think there's really any way he could have been successful in this game. The, the game plan was absolute – I want to swear. Can we swear on Rotoviz Radio? Just dog crap. I, I wanted to put an expletive in front of that as well. It was horrible. I mean, it was clear from the very beginning that the, uh, the Bears offensive line was overwhelmed by Miles Garrett. Um, there was pressure early. They needed to do something to get Fields uh, outside the pocket, get him moving. He's actually a, a, one of the things I was so impressed by him in the preseason, very good passer on the move. He did miss a wide-open Darnell Moody on one of the times he did get outside the pocket and was running, tried to throw to a, a sort of covered Allen Robinson, and, and that ball got knocked away. It was close to being a very good pass. It, was, it, it, it wasn't. It got tipped away. But Moody was wide open over the top of him. He could have had a long touchdown on that play. But there was very, very few times they actually set things up for Fields to do anything. And then, I mean, look, I'm I'm massively biased. I should have started this rant with this because I, I was super high on Fields and I was very excited to watch him. You do, like, I, I don't know. I'm watching him and going, what are they asking him to do? Like, he's got to do what his coaches tell him. He's a rookie. Like, you can't just go out there and play however you want to play. They came out in the second half. The first half was awful. It was it was complete trash. The first drive didn't look great. I can't remember what I had it in my notes somewhere. Oh, they did a they actually moved the ball uh, on the first drive, and then they did a toss play on third and two, uh, you know, into like an overloaded defensive side of the field. Uh, Montgomery gets back to a no gain. It's fourth and two now. They're like totally in go for it range, and they kick a field goal. Wait, I just thought those were like a really conservative third and fourth down decisions early in the game. And then the second drive, they take a sack and then they immediately do a draw on second and 20. Fields Fields does a straight drop and gets completely just hammered, pocket collapse. It happened several times. Takes a sack, they do a draw play, and then a quick underneath curl route on third and 
15 or third and 16 or whatever it was just to get him a completion, which was like, whatever, fine. But it's like, you know, just two total give up plays on, on the second drive. The whole first half sort of went that way. It was clear that everything they were doing was just way too conservative, like totally keeping him, um, you know, keeping the training wheels on and, and treating him like, like the way you phrased it. And maybe it's true is that he wasn't ready. The way I would like to see it is let the talented player go out and make plays, build an offensive game plan around his abilities. Let him try to like do things that can actually make him successful. Get him out of the pocket, get him some easy throws, like get him some quick throws outside. Whole first half's horrible. Start the second half. I'm hoping that they're going to start moving him around a little bit. Do some read option stuff. Have him actually pull the ball and, and just do a designed run. They didn't do any of that. And instead, the first three plays of the second half, straight drops, curls. And they just kept calling curls the whole second half. I saw his next-gen stat pass chart all underneath passes, nothing really downfield. And the biggest reason for that was every play was straight drops and curls. And he was... I, I, you have to imagine based on the way he was playing, being coached to just get the ball out quickly and early. That was the way that Matt Nagy and, and the coaching staff wanted to address the fact that the pocket was collapsing every single time. Instead of trying to move the pocket, instead of trying to get fields in, in you know, out, outside the pocket, try to use motion, try to do different things to slow down than what the Browns were doing. They gave up to the fact that they couldn't stop their pass rush, then just tried to throw quick and short on curls, which meant that the DBs were breaking on every single one. They didn't do anything down the field. They didn't ever run any routes down the field. Some of that's obviously on field. Fields did not look great. I'm not trying to say he looked amazing. But as the game developed, the adjustments that were made, the way that they were running the offense, the the play calls, all the curls and all that stuff, like I was saying, I mean, you could just tell it. They're telling him to take the snap, make your first read, and get the ball out so you stop taking so many hits. He ends up taking nine sacks anyways. All that did was shorten the field and give the Browns the ability to pin their ears back on the D-line and in the secondary to be breaking on everything. I mean, I just thought it was a it was a really, really horribly schemed and coached game. No help whatsoever from his coaching staff. Yeah, it's really frustrating. It's a lot like kind of what we talked about with the Bengals, where those short passes, those aren't necessarily helping your quarterback, right? I mean, you think about it, even if that goes well, it's a little bit like the run game. You've got to execute a lot of these plays to accomplish anything. And that element of getting the mobile quarterback out on the edge, then he can scramble if the play isn't there. He can throw deep. You think about a rookie quarterback like a Justin Fields who has a big, accurate arm. Maybe reading the defense and getting the right reads is going to be more difficult. Well, a bunch of short passes doesn't help with that, right? you got to let the guy use his arm strength, use his accuracy, try to make some plays deep, get on the edge. So basically exactly what you're saying. Ben, we can't stop today without talking about a team that did things right and that looked really, really good, exciting young coaching staff. And that would be the Los Angeles Chargers, right? My Kansas City Chiefs, uh, many listeners know that I grew up in Kansas City. It's been this great run with the Chiefs the last couple of years. They fall to one and two today. They do some squirrely things. They start their first three possessions with turnovers. Uh, because it's the Chiefs and you have practical homes and all this talent, they still rally back for the lead, but the Chargers don't go away at all right? We think about being aggressive. We think about when you have Justin Herbert and Herbert looked amazing. Talk about someone with a cannon and yet is ultra accurate and willing to make the right pl plays, willing to force the ball deep. And yet your coaching staff has to be on your side and give you the opportunities. And the Chargers in the second half, they had a fourth and four in field goal range. They passed that up. That would have been a tying field goal. They passed that up. They convert. 
They go in and score the touchdown. Their final big drive, they have fourth and four. Again, it would be a tie-in field goal. They decide to pass that up, go for it, commit a false start, and look like maybe they're going to lose the game as a result of that. Go for it on fourth and nine, which is, again, a gutsy play, probably the right play, but a lot of coaches wouldn't do it. They go for it on fourth and nine. There is a maybe a borderline pass interference, but that's one of the things when you go for it, right? And when you throw these passes is that you can throw a completion or you can get pass interference. When you have all these guys trying to cover for multiple seconds deep, you can get a hold, you can get a pass interference. When you have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, then obviously you can actually get completed passes. The Chargers won because of courage from their head coach and that kind of thing. Uh, a great game from them. They look very, very good. Yeah, uh, I, I, that was that was super exciting. That was very similar to week one. And I don't know if we made it, in, if it made it into our conversation week one, or if I was just talking to you about it off the air. But at the end of the Cowboys game, uh, Cowboys Bucks opener, the Cowboys they they had one fourth down that they should have went for. They kicked the field goal right by the by the end zone. But their last possession, they wound up settling for a field goal, and then Brady went down and kicked, you know, drove down and kicked the game winning field goal. About ninety seconds left. They had a fourth and six, and I was saying they should have went for it there. It was very similar, where the the Chargers had the option of taking a field goal. It was a longer field goal; it would have been about a fifty-two yarder. But to your point, even at fourth and nine, and they were they were planning to go for it on fourth and four, it would have been about a forty-seven yarder. I mean, they had this chance to kick a, a field goal to go ahead by three, but there's forty-eight seconds on the clock, and they're very aware that with forty-eight seconds on the clock. If, if they kick a field goal there, that Patrick Mahomes is going to have another opportunity, right? And so they decide to go for it and try to win with their offense in that moment. is very similar to that that Cowboys game. The Cowboys, uh, I felt like, kind of wimped out. The, the probability models and everything supported the Cowboys' decision. I imagine today they also would have said that the Chargers should have kicked that field goal to take the lead with under a minute left, kind of without context because it's the big picture thing, but you're – the models aren't going to know that, like, yeah, hey, Patrick Mahomes is on the other side. What was weird was that they got down to the four-yard line, and they could have then run it all the way down and just kicked the game winner. And then they threw to the end zone and scored with 30 seconds left, missed the extra point, and then you're like, oh, they're going to lose this game by one point. <laughs> that was a little bit... Yeah. I mean, I was yelling on the pre, I mean, not for the Chiefs and not for fantasy, but just for strategy. I was like on the previous play, or actually it was for the Chiefs. I was like, because Mike Williams didn't get in on the previous play. And when the defender is throwing him out of bounds, I'm like, let him score, let him score. Yeah. I mean, you've got to let him score right there. Yeah. I was blown away. I mean, we talk about all the great things the Chargers did. It made no sense, right? When they went for, like for an actual play on the next snap, like, what are you doing? You've got an extra point distance yeah. play to, to end the game here. And, so, and to be fair, he, he goes and misses the extra point. So then in that regard, but it was actually closer than extra point distance, right? The extra points from the 15 oh, now. Yeah, the old time extra point. Yeah, the old time extra point. I mean, I actually, I, I think he, uh, you know, their kicker almost certainly makes that kick. Yeah, that was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> uh, from a fantasy perspective, the, probably the most relevant things in this game, obviously Mike Williams looking great again. At the running back position, we've talked a lot about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He does have the early fumble. One of the things that I like here, I mean, he hasn't played very well. Andy Reid has made some game management issues. But you can see the difference in quality of coaching and in terms of people who understand the kind of reinforcement that actually works. They go right back to Edwards-Alaire. He has a 100-yard rushing game. He actually does score a receiving touchdown. Now, this is actually the recipe for the Chiefs to lose, right? If Clyde Edwards-Alaire rushes for 100 yards, you know that there are some other things going wrong, which, again, 
This was the second week in a row where teams took away Tyreek Hill. But you do like to see Edwards O'Leary look a little bit better. You like to see him score the receiving touchdown. The kind of unfortunate storyline kind of going across the two teams, Eckler looked good. He had a number of receptions. Edwards O'Leary looked good as a runner. Both of these guys lost goal line touches. Yeah, I I mean Edwards Alaire definitely lost some to Daryl Williams. I noticed that. And and he did have one from like the 10 where he cut through the defense a little bit, gained maybe six or seven yards, and then just got popped and knocked back like four yards. And I was like, oh, that doesn't look like a guy who can like run through a tackle inside the five and finish the TD. And the reason I was going, oh, is like, oh, they're gonna take him off the field here. And sure enough, the next play, I mean, he he did take a big hit, but the next play they had he had run them down inside the five from the 10 or 11 yard line, they, they pulled them off the field and, and had Daryl Williams in there. I didn't uh, actually see the Eckler side of that. The chargers were using Roundtree down there inside okay. the 10. Now he wasn't very successful. And so it is something where I think in some ways you're giving the defense a sense of what play you're going with. Roundtree has the size. He has flashed on some plays, but Eckler just looks so good overall. Now, one of the things we talked about with Eckler, it's not even so much necessarily losing goal line carries as just that his overall rush EP numbers are always going to be a little bit lower than the guys who are like clear first round picks. Now, if he catches passes at this rate and has some goal line touches, which we've seen so far, and you have plays like the receiving touchdown, both of these guys get in as receivers. Uh, the Chiefs are so well coached. They prepare so well. They're a very good team, even without Patrick Mahomes. I think that Falling to one and two today, you've got to be disappointed on their side of the ball because not only did they have these this string of turnovers, and then Patrick Mahomes has a fourth one later on, but they had back-to-back plays on this early drive where Eckler scores a touchdown and basically a broken coverage means there, you know, there wasn't a defender on his side of the field there as he kind of goes in. I mean, Austin Eckler cannot be the guy that you leave uncovered. Then the Chargers go for two. Again, their kicker was struggling today. I felt bad for him. Luckily, I mean, even though I'm rooting for the Chiefs, luckily that doesn't cost them. He doesn't have to worry about blowing a game. Uh, the Chargers go for two. The Chiefs never go out and cover Mike Williams. He's just uncovered the whole way. You rarely see that kind of thing at the NFL level. So Chiefs made some mistakes today that you would expect them to clean up. But Eckler looking explosive. I just If I'm starting Eckler in leagues, I'd like to see him even more involved on some of these highest value touches yeah definitely i mean if he's giving up any of those touches in, inside there that can be a problem for sure and, and certainly a problem for Clyde Edwards Alaire. i will be absolutely keeping an eye out for that when i dig into the the stealing signals for this game that's a, a really interesting note any any other games that you wanted to hit on i don't know what you've did you get to see the bills game yet I was following that one, obviously, and we saw the big bounce back from Josh Allen. We saw a lot of points that did not go to Stephon Diggs. So that's right. That was always <laughs> that was the frustrating thing that I wanted to you know commiserate about. But I don't know. I'm still not that worried about him. Yeah, I mean, he should he should do very well. It's good to see the Bills bounce back. And even though Washington had a little bit of a down game overall today, we were excited for Patrick Corrine, who I probably shouldn't keep bringing this up because Pat's all over all kinds of guys. But he was the a big Antonio Gibson fan. Uh, we talked on the shows last Wednesday that there were some positive things for Gibson in the receiving game. Today he goes for the 73-yard receiving touchdown. We continue to have Gibson as one of the most explosive backs in the NFL. 
Yeah, that was an incredible play. He didn't do a lot else. Didn't rush particularly efficiently. Dropped his only other target. It came a couple of minutes right after that long TD. He gets a little sprint out, dump off target that should have been a walk-in second receiving touchdown, and just Stone drops it. But that play was <laughs> enough of a you know for for his day in terms of you know he, he again didn't do everything well, but the team is not going to like be down on him or anything like that because he made a, a, a tremendous individual play to to score a touchdown on that play. And, it was, you know, at a point in the game where the game was still in question a little bit, I think. I can't really remember exactly when it was, but I think it was, yeah, it was, okay, it was 21-0, but it got them to 21-7 in the, in the second quarter. And then they got closer after that, so. They did. It, they it was a big right part of, of having that game be competitive there for a while. Probably the other big storyline for the week and for us, because we, again, we were always drafting 8-12. to Some of the guys in that 8-12 to range now are, are starting to take off, like Jamar Chase, so. Uh, we probably have to uh, not look at that as a problem, especially when Christian McCaffrey is injured, Dalvin Cook doesn't play. The back half drafting spots are starting to look better and better. But we did have a touchdown from Saquon Barkley today, and it turns out that if Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, those guys all go out, they then are willing to throw the ball to Barkley. Yeah, that was nice to see. If he's the last guy on the entire team, that they will throw the ball to him. <laughs> no, no. I mean, we, we kind of expected that, right? That his workload would be ramping up, and it, it was it was much bigger. They they made Devonta Booker a, a healthy and active today. I saw some some speculation from a beat reporter that it was sort of a numbers game because of some of their other injuries. They needed to have an extra player up at a different position. That all makes sense, but it which means that in all likelihood Booker will be active most weeks. But they felt comfortable enough with Barkley to do that, and then in in doing that. Barkley basically got every single running back touch. You know, Elijah Penny, their fullback, got a couple. And this Gary Brightwell, who must play more on special teams than Booker, was up and he got one carry. But otherwise, you know, I'm sure he was just up as the backup, you know, reserve running back. But special teams guy, Barkley ends up with 16 carries. He winds up with six catches. He has 94 total yards. Pretty strong workload. It, it was exciting to see him. He looked a little, like he had some burst at times as well. He had a little bit of his old gallop going and, and things. So. I was very excited to see see Barkley look like that today. Yeah, and those six receptions are just absolutely crucial. It's just so difficult to score simply as a runner. We saw that a little bit with Nick Chubb today. We talk about Chubb, I mean, probably the best pure running back in the NFL, but when you have Kareem Hunt drafted, you know, five, six rounds later, and I, I mean, Edwards Alaire played well today, but it, it really is unfortunate those things happened with Hunt when he was on the Chiefs because he was blowing through the Chicago Bears defense as a rusher, as a receiver, uh, one of the best running back performances I've seen in quite a while. So uh, we're seeing some developments. We saw a lot of kind of bounce back things today. I have uh, Josh Allen in an industry league where that team had been winless. Hopefully the big game today uh, pulls it out. After three weeks, I'm anticipating leagues being very, very close, very competitive. It's exciting to see that. You don't necessarily want there to be just two or three guys who are pulling away from the entire field. Uh, as I said at the start, such a fun day of watching football. Ben, we better leave it there for tonight, but we will be back with the listeners on Wednesday, on Friday. That'll do it for our Sunday night slash Monday morning. Uh, quick reaction to everything that we saw on a fantastic Sunday. Uh, I'm Sean Siegel with me as always is Ben Gretchen. You can follow at Yards Per Gretch. You're going to get a couple more awesome editions of Stealing Signals over the next couple of days. So if you haven't yet, make sure you sign up for the newsletter. I teased a couple of things that we have going on at Rotobiz. 
the tools and the columns. Some of our young writers, our new writers are doing really cool stuff with the advanced stats. If you want to subscribe to Rotoviz, save 10%. Just use the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. You'll be able to get our episodes earlier if you subscribe to our individual feed. Leave us a rating and review. You guys have been amazing with that. Uh, we can't thank you enough. The Stealing Bananas community has been fantastic. Uh, good luck on Monday night with the things that you need. Uh, we hope you pull out your games by a point or two this evening. And until Wednesday, uh, have a good one.